Welcome to the Every Nation Rosebank Church Podcast. At our church, we honor God, make disciples, and transform nations. For more information about our church, visit everynationrosebank.org and don't forget to subscribe. Good morning, family. So good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. That worship was so amazing, and I'm grateful that uh, worship night is coming soon where we can just spend unhurried times with the Lord in His presence. Amen. So the video that you've just watched is who we are as every nation. The name every nation is not just for branding purposes, okay? We are every nation because we burn with a passion to reach the nations of the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's who we are. That's what we are about. And with that in mind, I just want to remind you that this vision that God has given us is to get to all the nations. I mean, um, one of the things that people may not be aware of is that if you are traveling a lot in your business or through work, is you can Google everynation.org. You see a list of all the churches, and you can be able to visit any of the churches, and you'll feel like you're at home. Last week, Sunday... Mamello, who's one of the leaders here in the church, she was fellowshipping in Boston, Massachusetts, because she was invited to speak at Harvard. You know, I've told you that sometimes you don't know the people you're sitting next to in this church. She was just invited to give a talk at Harvard, and it's opened other doors. Uh, this week, Charlie, who spoke two weeks ago here at church, will be speaking at a UN conference in Kuala Lumpur in Malaysia. And next week, Sunday, he'll be joining every nation in KL, fellowshipping with them. Let's give God the glory for that. I think we forget that Charlie was on the streets with no ID, no passport, but he's now flying and flying the flag for the Lord. Amen. We are starting a series called On the Move. It's our vision and mission series. On the move because we are people on the move. On the move with God. We move with God. We are on the move with God. We are not stagnant. We are not stationary. We are moving. So we want to see the vision come from what it is as vision to reality. We want to see it in reality. So today I'm going to focus specifically on the global mission statement of every nation. And I want to take a different angle to it to say, how do we all fit into the general call of God, knowing our specific call in order to make an impact in the world? So as we look into that, we're going to look at the big P and the small P. The big P, the big purpose, that's the general call who God has called us to be. And the small P, that's the purpose that each and everyone has that we need to express within the big general call of God. So for the young people in the house, I'm going to call the sermon Pushing P. <laughs> pushing P. Pushing purpose. Pushing pep, passion. So for those who are young, young at heart like myself, I had to step into TikTok for a little bit and I stepped out just to check what Pushing P is all about. So um, pushing passion, pushing P, that's what we are talking about this morning. With that in mind, let's go to the word of the Lord. We are reading Matthew 28, verse 16 to 20. If you've been in every nation for a long time or even a short time, you know that 
This is our go-to scripture. This is a scripture that defines the general call. This is a scripture that defines who we are as a movement and a global family of churches. As I read this text for us this morning, I want to read it in context. It's known as the Great Commission. Jesus had just been resurrected and getting ready to ascend to go back to the Father and to be with the Father. I'm reading from verse 16. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they had saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted, and Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you to the very end of the age. This is the word of the Lord. So I'm glad that uh, Mzamo was in the spirit, already touched on the scripture. That's a scripture we're going to look at today. That's our text for today. And when we read the scripture, there's a couple of things that come out that I want to put to you before we look at the general call and the specific call. So the first thing I want to bring your attention here is that the Bible says there were 11 disciples that showed up. My question is, where was the 12th disciple? Do you remember what happened to the 12th disciple? The 12 disciples stayed out of community. He mingled with the wrong bunch, with the wrong company, with the wrong group, and he ended up taking his life. Go and read it. When, what happens when you step out of community, when you step out of community that God has called you to journey with, what happens to him? As a person who leads a connect group like anyone else who's a connect group leader in this church, this uh, text encourages me because Jesus had his one. So I don't want to bring any condemnation. As we lead connect groups, I know that some people are not consistent to connect for various reasons. But I want to encourage you, please do not stay out of community. Do not stay out of community. You never know what happens. You become prey to the enemy like Judas when you are out of community. Only 11 showed up. The one was not there because he had stepped out of community. We continue to read that they gathered at the mountain where Jesus had directed them. They followed what Jesus had told them to do. They came and they kept their appointment. They showed up because Jesus said, I'm going to meet you there. The one interesting thing here, the Bible says, when they saw him, some worshipped, but some doubted. Some worshipped, some doubted. It's amazing because here's the Jesus you've been walking with. You know him. You've experienced him. But when the time comes, he's now resurrected. You're doubting the very one who has transformed your life. The challenge for us is which side do you fall under? Are you on the side that is doubting that God can transform and change our nation, South Africa? Or are you on the side that chooses to believe that whatever is impossible with man, it is possible with God? Can we believe that the Bible says that what is difficult for man, with God, it is possible? 
Can we believe that God can transform our nation, South Africa, and take us back even better to where we've been before? Can we believe that? Can we choose to believe? Can we choose to believe? And you will see that the vision that God has given us, He's given us this vision so that we can be those who carry a hope when people are hopeless. We can be a beacon of hope. We can be hope dealers. We can be those who can say, we choose to believe and not doubt. And then it continues to say, Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go. What did it say? What did Jesus say? The only time in the Bible that they were asked to stay was to wait for the Holy Spirit. Other than that, it says, go. We are called to go. We are people on the move. We are called to go and make disciples of all nations. I went to study again the, the, the Greek understanding of the word all, and I came out with a powerful, powerful revelation that you must never forget that the word all means all. The word all means all. Even from the original text in the Greek, it's all. So when the Bible says, go and make disciples of all nations, it's not a suggestion. It's a command. It's a command that we are meant to go to the nations. I'm praying and trusting that some of you, you will embrace a specific call to go to the nations. Let us go to the nations. We are called to go and not to stay. Amen. Let us go to the nations. The nations need Jesus. And the nations are here, right here in South Africa. We don't have to go too far. We can share the gospel to the nations right here in our background. We are called to go and make disciples. I'm so excited that we were baptizing this morning. The Bible says, Baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. These were the words of Jesus. We know we are making progress when people are being baptized. We know that lives are transformed when you see baptisms. When there's no baptism, it means we are missing the mark. It says, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. Observing means that you are sitting in the Word, like we use the one-to-one, -one, we use the purple book to help us go deeper with the foundations of Christianity. Can I hear amen to that? Amen. We are teaching them to observe all that He has commanded. And then I love the promise that goes with it. And behold, I am with you to the end of the age. Behold, and lo, I am with you to the end of the age. You know, we love that last part. Behold, I'm with you. But what we don't realize, it says, I will be with you as you go and make disciples. He will be with us as we go and make disciples. That is what I love about missions. That is what I love about evangelism. We know he is with us when we go. When we go, he is with us. He is with us. So, the global mission of every nation Coming literally out of the scripture, can you read it with me? We exist to honor God by establishing Christ-centered, spirit-empowered, socially responsible churches and campus ministries in every nation. So you may not hear a lot about this global mission, 
because we do have every nation mission statement, Rosebank, that I will read for us just now. But this one, as leaders, we keep it in front of ourselves because we know that globally, God has called us to work together to plant churches. And how do we plant churches? We plant churches that are Christ-centered, that are spirit-empowered, and that are socially responsible. By Christ-centered, we mean that words of Apostle Paul, follow me as I follow Christ. As soon as I stop following Christ, as these leaders that you see here, as soon as we stop following Christ, go find another church. Yes, I've said it, and I'll say it again. As soon as the priority and the emphasis become the man and woman of our for the power, something is wrong with that. As soon as the focus become the man of God, of power for the hour, something is wrong with it. It has to be about Christ Jesus because it is Christ Jesus who died for us. I did not die for you. I'm still alive. That's a dead joke. I did not die for you. Jesus died for you. So Jesus Christ is the center of this church. He will remain the center of this church. If I'm no longer the senior pastor of this church, the next senior pastor will still say the same thing. Otherwise, find another church. Amen? It says, Christ-centered, Spirit-empowered. We unapologetically pursue the gifts of the Spirit unapologetically trust God for miracles, for signs, for wonders. All these gifts that are mentioned in the Bible, we want them. We want to see them. And not only in the four walls of the church, even outside the church. We are a socially responsible church. Amen. You may have heard me say that if this church was to close down, will the community around us miss us? Will they say, man, there was something different about this church. Since they left, we can see, man, things are not the same as they used to be. I don't know if you know that it was last year that they approached us, the Parktown North Resident Association, and they say, we have noticed that the crime levels have gone down in this area because of your car guards program. <laughs> Praise God. We're taking people from the streets and giving them dignity. That is what we are about. I can speak all day long about being socially responsible because we want to make an impact in the community. And I pray that uh, the people in the neighborhood, they don't say, man, we are so glad the church is no longer here because now we can easily drive in in our drive-thru because they normally park on our drive-thru. Can we just stop parking on people's drive-thru? Amen. There's parking up the road at Nando's. And I'm noticing that we give Nando's free advertisement every Sunday. We need to start charging them. We have parking up the road at Nando's. You can park there. And if it is full, there's another parking across. Let us be neighborly to our neighbors. Amen. Let us be the church. Churches and campus ministry. Campus ministry, it means we believe that change the campus, change the world. Change the campus, change the world. The ideology of campus today is the ideology of society tomorrow. So yesterday I was with the campus leaders, uh, a group of uh, VETS campus leaders and UJ campus leaders. They've got a camp out in Mahalisberg. And I was so blown away by the passion they carry to see Jesus on their campuses. 
to see disciples made on their campuses. What encouraged me the most is that I remember that 30 years ago I was on campus. And I was telling them that 30 years ago I was on campus. They told us that we're going to go and change the world. And some of us were rolling our eyes. Guess what? We are changing the world. We are changing the world. I can go across this room and see some people who are disciples on campus and the things that they are doing now in the marketplace, we are changing the world. Amen. Just as a side note, um, when I told them that 30 years I was on campus and I said, some of you were not yet born, one of them said, all of us, Pastor Sai. <laughs> I thought, you didn't have to rub it in, you know. But what was my takeaway was their passion to see Jesus on their campus. Their passion. I mean, one of them was told by their leader that you're not allowed to come to camp because uh, you ha have a lot of work. And she said to her connect group leader, I will take my books with me to the camp. And on Friday night, she was up studying because she wanted to be at the camp because they want to see Jesus established on their campus. As every nation rose bank, we burn with this passion, and you will hear it being unfolded in the coming weeks. Can you read with me? We are a community with a purpose that honors God, makes disciples, and brings transformation. Can we read it again? We are a community with a purpose that honors God, makes disciples, and brings transformation. We want to see transformation. And we are that community that wants to see transformation. We are unapologetically encouraging you to be part of community because it is being part of community where iron sharpens iron, where you can be helped to walk with Jesus and to step into the call that he has for your life. So if you are not in a connect group, you're not going to hear us stop saying this. Get in a connect group. You are missing out. You are missing out on the shaping and the sharpening that happens by being part of community. With that in mind, let me take you back to the general call, the specific call, and recommitment to the call. My takeaway for you today is to encourage you to ask yourself this question. How is your specific call expressing the general call? How is your specific call, your small p, expressing the big P that God has called all of us? Let me remind you, here's the big P. The big P is Matthew 28. That's our general call. Paul puts it in a different way. Paul puts it this way. Philippians 3, 14, he says, I press on towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let me read it again. Philippians 3.14, I press towards the mark of the prize of the high calling of God that is in Jesus Christ. I press on. He's saying, I'm not stagnant. I'm not stationary. I'm on the move. I press on towards the upward calling. The general call is the kingdom of God, is the gospel of salvation, is to bring transformation in all areas of society. That's the general call. That's the upward call. And here I come back to this word. We are all called. Can we say all it is not just the pastors who are called. We are all called. Each and every one of us is called. Let me give you an example of someone who embraced a specific call to express the general call. 
Two weeks ago, I had the privilege of interviewing Dr. Michael Cassidy. Some of you will know him, such a statesman, 88 years old, still preaching the gospel. 88 years old. You know, I, last year when he was preaching at Every Nation Church in Durban, uh, I gave Lyric a challenge. He was standing. He was not even sitting on the stool. I was like, Rex, we can do this, bruh. You know, he was not even sitting down. He preached a whole entire sermon at 88 years of age, preaching the gospel. As I was interviewing him, it's uh, linked to uh, my studies as I'm studying church and state relations. How can the church impact and influence the state? Yes, we are praying. However, we also need to engage. So Michael Cassidy is a good example of that. I mean, to give you a bit of background for those who don't know, Michael Cassidy, born in South Africa, went to study in Cambridge. While in Cambridge, went to um, uh, um, Bill Graham's uh, crusade and he gave his life to the Lord. In fact, he journeyed with Bill Graham, where Bill Graham became his mentor. I mean, he has worked with people like uh, John Stott. Just saying these are the two people that has influenced his life. Some of you will remember that uh, when he started AE, which is African Enterprise, a mission agency to raise leaders and send them to preach the gospel in Africa and beyond, he was assisted by the founder of Fuller Seminary to help start a movement that will send missionaries into different parts of South Africa and the world. Some of you will remember that he played a significant role leading up to the elections in 1994 when different political parties were fighting to the extent that uh, it meant that we were about to go into civil war. And he brokered relationships between the different political leaders. What you may not know, there is a documentary. You can go uh, Google the documentary, A Witness Forever. It's helping and the threatened miracle of South Africa, helping us understand that we were a country, a nation on the edge, and the role that he played with other believers to bring change to the extent that uh, Nelson Mandela himself asked him this. He said, please help us. Only the church can help us when things are like this. You read some of his books. So I want to bring you to how he saw the general call and the specific call working together. I asked him a question. What was your posture? What did you guys do during apartheid? And what made you speak up when you could have been quiet? He said this. He said, Brother Simon. I like how he speaks. Brother Simon, I came to a point where it was impossible to hold the Bible on one hand and the theology of apartheid on the other hand. I came to a point where it was impossible for me to say I'm preaching the gospel that speaks about justice, that speaks about reconciliation, that speaks about love one another, love your neighbor as you love yourself, and still preach segregation, apartheid, and looking down on other people. He was one of the few voices that spoke up during apartheid. I take the challenge of his generation I asked him then, after many things that he shared, what must we do, our generation? He started by saying we must pray for transformative revival, not just hallelujah revival. We must pray for transformation or transformational revival, transformative revival, not just hallelujah revival. Hallelujah revival, it's within the four walls of the church. 
But transformative revival is taking it outside to the streets of our cities and nation. He said, in our time, everybody was taking the responsibility for doing their bit. Their mantra was, do your bit. Do your bit. Do something. I believe that our mantra, coming from a project that Hotlines is working on, is fix local. Let us fix local. We cannot wait all the time for government to do things for us. Let us fix our nation ourselves. Can I hear amen to that? And you'll hear more about this when we do the sermon series for such a time as this. He also said we need more prayer groups because he believes that what saved South Africa from going into civil war was the prayer that took place during that time. The prayer that took place, God heard the prayers of the saints and South Africa was saved from civil war. We need more prayer groups. Yo, just when I thought I was going to get new things, he said, that's what we need. It worked then, it can work again. He says we need to revive the prophetic courage. People who embrace the general call and specific call, like Archbishop Desmond Tutu, Reverend Frank Chikani, and many more who spoke up. We need to hold accountable those who have done the wrongs. And the last one really stayed with me. We need to persuade people to vote, but to vote with their heart, not just with their minds. I've never thought about that before. Whenever we vote, we normally analyze we look at the news. Some read the manifesto. I won't ask you to raise your hand because no one reads any manifesto. <laughs> we, just, we just vote with our minds. I won't ask you to raise your hand. I don't know how many of you pray before you go and vote. He says, vote with your heart for the sake of future generations. Your vote is not just for yourself. What about future generations? History will judge us based on how we voted in 2024. These coming elections are going to be so pertinent that we need to vote with our hearts, not just with our minds. How is your specific call expressing the general call? Michael Cassidy understood that not only is he an evangelist who preached the gospel, who took missions, he understood that part of the general call is bringing justice where there's injustice. Specific call for us to just help us understand the difference between general call and specific call. Here's a good example in Acts chapter 13. Now, there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers and Barnabas and Simeon, who was also called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. Basically, this was a a multicultural church. It was a diverse church based on all those people. If I were to describe each and every one of them and their backgrounds, I mean, you see that this was a multicultural, diverse church. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, worshiping and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart. What is the theme for the church for this year? Set apart. There it is, set apart. Set apart for me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work to which I have called them. Calling right there. And then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. If I look at this text, I see a couple of things that help us understand the specific call. When 
Paul was speaking later, many years later, and when Luke was writing to us through this book, you realize that when you are saying set apart, each and every one of us, we are set apart because of the call that is upon our lives. Set apart means that God has specifically gifted you and talented you to meet certain needs in society that only you can meet. Set apart. You've been set apart. You've been set apart for the call that God has over your life. So when we talk about being called, we are all called. Can we all say all? all? For some of us, we come from backgrounds where it seemed as if it was only pastors who were called. Let me put it this way. Some are called for a career in church, which is vocational church ministers. Some are called for a career in the marketplace. They are vocational marketplace ministers. So we have prophets, apostles, evangelists, pastors, teachers, also in the marketplace. All you have to do is to embrace the call of God over your life in the marketplace. Both church ministers and marketplace ministers are called to proclaim the excellencies of the one who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. All of us, we are called to proclaim his excellencies. Some of you are called to proclaim his excellencies as lawyers, as accountants, as teachers, as nurses, whatever it may be. Proclaim the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. You are called. You are called. Amen. We are all called. We need to display his excellencies. The second thing we see here is uh, be careful of the company you keep. Paul and Barnabas were called to journey together. They were set apart together. Isn't it amazing? They were called together by the Holy Spirit to journey together. Be careful of the company you keep. What I like about the story of Paul and Barnabas, if you study the book of Acts, like the text we just read, Barnabas is mentioned first, then Saul, who's also known as Paul. And then as you continue to study the book of Acts, you notice that they mention Paul first and then Barnabas. Remember that Barnabas was already a child of God when Paul got saved. Barnabas mentored, discipled Paul, but he did not mind that now Paul was named first and he was named second. The challenge I have for you is, do you have the kind of friends who will be okay that your name is mentioned first and their name is mentioned second? What kind of friends do you have? Closer to home, are you the kind of friend that is okay to push others to excel in their calling that God has for them? Will you be that kind of friend? Will you be that kind of connect group member who wants to know how others are doing and push them towards their God-given purpose? Talking about career, career is uh, your, your ministry, the work which I've called them, the assignment, the business, whatever it may be. But the key I would like you to take out of this is uh, your calling determines your career. Your calling determines your career. Your career does not determine your calling. Your work does not determine your calling. Your calling is what God called you before you were born. The Bible says, I knew you before you were born. I formed you in your mother's womb. I set you apart. I called you to be a prophet to the nations. We are all called. We are all called. But our job 
will not determine our calling. Our calling determines our job. Meaning that your career may change, but your calling does not change. Your career may change. Your job may change. Your work may change. Your assignment may change. So some people are so fixated. No, this is my job. This is my calling. Your job may change as long as you're proclaiming the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Wherever you are, wherever you are. Competence, this is a very important part. Your competence is based on talents, gifts, skills. Talents is innate things that God has built in you. You were born with those things. Gifts are things that you receive, like the gifts of the Spirit. You get it from God through the laying on of hands. As we read 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands, Paul says to Timothy. Skills are things that you can acquire and you can work on. But something that has helped us to understand God's specific purpose, and Greg and I did this course many years ago with Dr. John Stenko on purpose. He helped us to see that normally we look too far when we are trying to find our purpose. Our purpose is directly linked to the gifts and talents that are already in you. So why did God give them to you if your purpose is going to be something completely different to the purpose and the gifts and talents that he's given you? So the best way to put it, this is how he says, Dr. Jen Stenko, he says, your gifts and talents help you to know your purpose. God has put them there for a reason. That is why we exist to worship him. We worship him with our gifts and our talents. There's the three C's that simplifies what I'm talking about now, about the, the, the purpose that God has called us to, the calling. The three C's, uh, this is a Venn diagram, and there's different variations of it, but this is the one I use when people struggle to know their calling, what God has called them to do. I say, your calling is set. God has called you. You're called. You're set apart. Your competence is the gifts and talents and skills that you have. Your career, even your calling includes being a mom, being a dad, being married is a calling. Being single is a calling. Can I hear amen to that? I know that some people, we pedestalize marriage. We need to de-pedestalize marriage. You can be called to be single, all right? God will give you the grace. Sermon and topic for another time. The same way, we with Sam Albury, he helped us with this. The same way that marriage disciples you to become a better person, singleness can disciple you to become a better person. The same way. The sacrifices we have in marriage, ouch, painful, painful, but good for me. Sometimes I wish I was just single, you know. Anyway, I still love you, babe. As I say, topic for another time. My wife disciples me. She sharpens me. She makes me a better person. Topic for another time. But it's part of my calling that I'm married to her. It's part of my cross that I have children. Career. Am I digging a hill? Okay, fine. Career. Now, here's the most important part. The middle part where your calling, your competence, and career meet together, it's called flow. You are in the zone. And here's the most powerful thing. The more you embrace the call of God over your life, you can grow that middle part. I was talking with Greg this week, and he said, Sai, you know, I feel like I'm 70% expressing the gifts of God in my life. 
And I said, Greg, when I grow up, I want to be like you. It's so good that we can be able to get to the point where our calling, our competence, and our careers, they take us to a place of flow. So in psychology, flow also, known colloquially as being in the zone, is the mental state of operation in which a person performing an activity is fully immersed in a feeling of energized focus, fully involved, enjoyment in the process of activity. Flow shares many characteristics with hyperfocus. Now, the word hyperfocus is when you enjoy doing something so much that time goes without even you realizing that, man, I've been doing this for three hours. You even forget that you have to eat. That's when you're in the zone. That's when you know it's focused. Some examples of this is people who enjoy math. They enjoy maths. They will be like, I can do calculus and trigonometry for three hours nonstop, right? And then there's certain people, when they see a maths book, they say, get thee behind me, Satan. <laughs> there's certain people, I don't understand them, I don't get them. They look at the spreadsheet and they can sit and look at accountants at the spreadsheet for hours and hours. When I see a spreadsheet, I say, get thee behind me, Satan. Some people are artistic. They enjoy and love music or drawing or, or, or coloring or painting. When they do it, they do it for hours and hours and hours. I mean, here's a great movie I will recommend. I know that I'm showing my age now. This movie came out in 1981. It won, <clears throat> it won a couple of awards for the young people in the room. It won four academic awards. It was based on a true story uh, by Eric Little, whose parents were missionaries in China, coming from Scotland. And he was gifted in running. He was a runner. And he also wanted to embrace the call to be a missionary like his parents. And uh, while he was grappling to being a missionary and this passion to run, he was actually qualifying to be at the Paris Olympics um, those years, many years back. And in this movie, they say the 400-meter race that he was supposed to run was scheduled on a Sunday. Being a very committed and passionate believer, he said, I'm not going to run unless if they change the time and make it in the afternoon because I'm going to church first. This guy was quite something. And then he didn't run the day. He ran later in the week. And then after winning, I can tell you more about the story. But after winning, this is what he said. They asked him, how do you feel? What made you to be such a successful sportsman? He said, God made me fast. When I run, I feel his pleasure. When I run, I feel his pleasure. When I run, I feel God's pleasure. That's my prayer for you, that you get to that place of the zone, your sweet spot, that when you do that very thing, you feel God's pleasure. It becomes worship. You know that the Bible says the same word for work is worship. Being in the zone is worship unto God. We're praying that you get to the point where you embrace a specific call, express the general call. That's the zone. That's the zone. It reminds me of my son. Normally when he uh, goes to play drums or he does his music, he sends a message to the family group. We are all there at home. But he sends a message on the WhatsApp group. Please do not disturb me. 
I'm going in the zone. And when he's worshiping, you better stay away. He just gets in the zone. Like this guy, when he's playing drums, you can see that it's worship. How is your specific call expressing your general call? I like to speak to different people in the church about what they do and how they express the, the call of God over their lives. This one day, going to my connect group, Motherland, up the road, um, I bump into Dr. Morenan Tuse Mpanza. He's a neurosurgeon. This is early in the morning, 6, 7 in the morning. And he'd just come out of surgery. He had had surgery all through the night. Some of the surgeries, they go 16 hours, 18 hours straight. And then I asked him, how do you do this? I mean, this is a tough job. I'm glad you are the one breaking people's skulls. I don't want to be part of that. And going in there, working on their brains. He said something that stayed with me. He says, Pastor Sai, you get to a point where the textbook cannot help you, but the God-given talent in you rises up. The God-given talent in you rises up. The very same talent you were born with. Yes, we need skills. Yes, we need to work on our skills and become better. But the God-given talent takes you to your zone. I like his names. His names literally mean, Lord, help me. Morena and Tuse. As we recommit ourselves to the general call and the specific call, the Bible says we are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. We've been set apart, a people for his own possession. We are God's possession. God loves us so much. He says, you are my possession. That we may proclaim the excellencies. That word just says something to me. What are God's excellencies? What are God's excellencies? God's excellencies is when you work so well in the marketplace, wherever God has called you, that people start to see that this is worship unto God. They say, what is so different about you? And that becomes the opportunity to proclaim His excellencies. That becomes an opportunity to proclaim His excellencies. Someone may say, so much is happening in the world today. There's wars, there's rumors of wars. We should not be surprised. Matthew 24 said it will happen. There's so much that is happening in the world today. Shouldn't we be focusing on that? There's no time for the general call, no time for the specific call, no time for world evangelization. But I want to tell you that most powerful movements that have changed the world started during the time of crisis. It is during the time of crisis that we need to embrace the call of God over our lives, pursue and push the passion for the big P. So I want to challenge you with a story. Around 2001, Pastor David Mudiba read this story for us at Revival Prayer on Zoom. Around 2001, South Africa, fledgling democracy was faced with a crisis. There were terroristic bombings happening around, and particularly in Cape Town. And uh, Christians came around. During February towards July 2001, intercessors in about 450 cities and towns began with the initiative called Cleansing South Africa. 
This initiative was planned to mobilize the church as a bigger body to become to come before God as a nation and humble ourselves on the national level and trust God to bring change to our nation. Let me fast forward. That prayer movement led to the global day of prayer that was started by Graham Power, one businessman who was so convicted by the importance and the power of prayer that he booked a whole entire stadium in Cape Town. And that became a movement that for five years, different stadiums around the country, there were prayer meetings praying for the nation of South Africa. That movement has become now a global movement that once a year, different countries, they come together and pray for revival. It is in the time of crisis that movements are formed. So if your mission is your world, your world is too small. If your mission is just your world, if you're just worried about your family, just your community, your mission is too small. This is the mission that God has given us. We exist to honor Him by establishing Christ-centered, Spirit-empowered, socially responsible churches and campus ministry in every nation. We want to get to all the nations with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let us stand to pray. So my prayer for all of us today is that we'll go home and ask ourselves, what are those things that we're good at? What are those gifts and talents that God has given us? What are the things that we are passionate about? If maybe you've been wrestling with this topic of peppers and the reason for your existence, existential crisis as they call it, ask the Holy Spirit, show me. Show me the things that you've called me to. Here's an activation of what you can do. You can sign up to go on a mission. We've got missions planned for the rest of the year. It's amazing when you go on a mission, you discover gifts and talents that have been there that you never realized when you serve other people. Maybe you can go up the road when we do evangelism in Rosebank where you can just be amazed by how God transforms lives. Let's bow our heads to pray. Father, I thank you for each and every person that is here today. Lord, who needed to hear, Father God, that you've called all of us, all of us, all of us to proclaim the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. I pray that we will embrace the call to express the general call in our lives by proclaiming your excellencies, Father. Lord, I pray for those who are still struggling to understand the call that is on their lives. Make it clear, Father God, through moments of being in the Word, moments of saving, moments of prayer, that you'll reveal to them, Lord God, the purpose for which you have created them. While our eyes are closed, our heads are bowed, I want to give an opportunity to people who are here and they're saying, I haven't started stepping into my call I'm far away from the call that God has for me because I've not given my life to Jesus as Lord and Savior of my life 
If you are here and you say, I want to give my life to Jesus, to be Lord and Savior of my life, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. Wherever you may be sitting, you're raising your hand to God and say, I want to start this journey of finding what my call is so that I can also be counted. For those who may have also walked away from your call, your salvation, and you want to come back, there's a reason you're here today. I'm going to challenge you to just raise your hand and say, I'm coming back. I'm coming back to my walk with Jesus. I'm coming back to stepping into the call that He has over my life. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. You're coming back to community. You're coming back to the Lord. You're coming back to journeying with Him as He journeys with you. Thank you so much. Keep your hands raised. I want to just see those hands. Lord, you see the hands that are raised. You see all the men and women whose hands are raised, who are committing to the call, Father God, who are committing to walk with you and to journey with you. Father, I pray for each and every one of them, Father God, that they will have people who will journey with them to help them get to that place of fulfilling the call that you have over their lives. I speak a blessing upon them in Jesus' name. So those who raise their hands, I want to encourage you to come to the front. We want to pray with you and we have some counselors who are going to take your contact details and we're going to journey with you. Those who raise their hands, please come. Thank you so much. Come stand right here. Well done, brother. Come stand right here. You, you face this way. Face this way. Please come. If you raise your hand, please come. Bring your belongings with you. Thank you. If you raise your hand, just come. Just come. We want to journey with you. If you didn't raise your hand and you know you need to be here, also come. We want to journey with you. Thank you so much. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Thank you so much. If you came with a friend, feel free to come with them. Hallelujah. This is the best decision you can ever make, to follow Jesus Christ. And as you follow Jesus, He will transform your life, and He will help you to step in the call that He has over your life. Friends, can we join them in this prayer? Please pray after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I accept you as Lord and Savior of my life. I ask today, that you will transform my life and help me to step into the call you have for my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Friends, there's uh, some counselors that are going to go with you and take your contact details. Please go with Simone over there. Let's give them one more round of applause. Thank you.